playing the ukulele badly because this podcast is self-produced. Weird stuff has happened in the past and here I am to tell you about it, I guess. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Absurd Real History. Hello and welcome to Absurd Real History, the podcast where I find crazy stories that happened and talk to various crazy people about it. This is kind of a part two or a bonus episode to our Sealand. So I'd recommend listening to that first, although you don't have to. I'm not your mother. Um, once again, I am joined by bad bitch superstar Shiva McQuinn. Hello again. Yes! <laughs> it never it never fails to tickle me to hear it. <laughs> I kind of left the end of the last episode with a bit of a teaser that I had been followed by another micronation that I'd never heard of. Let's just talk about Sealand again for a second. So I think we both kind of are on the side that it's not, it's not a country. Not a country. I'm sorry, Sealand. I just can't accept you as a country. Well, I feel like um, a dictator country saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't recognize you as a state. No, I don't mm-hmm. know. So Sealand is more commonly referred to as a micronation, generally defined as an invented country within the territory of an established nation with boundaries being typically unrecognized by the rest of the world. The Principality of Sealand inspired hundreds of micronations, maybe even thousands. It's hard to tell. The one that I got followed with by on Twitter, there was no mention of them on micronation lists on Wikipedia or stuff like that. Uh, so micronations were always kind of a thing that existed. My mother is a lady of one. What? <laughs> you kept that quiet, burying the lead? What? The Kingdom of Redonda in the Caribbean. And that's a whole story. I'm definitely going to revisit uh, Micronation and talk about them in the future. Like, But have separate episodes like I did for Sealand. Mm-hmm. You have to explain more about that. How is your mother the lady of the Kingdom of Redonda? Interruption from my mother. Hello, I'm Susanna, or more appropriately, Lady Susanna of Potsdam of Santa Maria de la Redonda. And uh, it's kind of a strange story how I got my title back in 1979 for ascending the slope or the mountain of Santa Maria de la Redonda and posting a flag on the top and reading a proclamation from King Jean-Win Tyson to the lone booby bird who bothered to listen. I also am the self-proclaimed postmistress of Santa Maria de la Redonda. I collected five postcards from the post office at the base of the island of Santa Maria de la Redonda. And on very tiny handwriting, I scrawled across each stamp, hand-cancelled by the self-proclaimed postmistress, and I brought them back to Antigua, from whence they got posted out to their intended destinations. Santa Maria de la Redonda was named by Columbus on, I forget which voyage of discovery, and he never landed there. Philip Shield, can't remember what his first name was, but he reckoned he was descended from the High Kings of Ireland. He couldn't actually be a High King in Ireland, so come hell or high water, he was going to be High King of somewhere, or at least his son was. And when his son was of age, he got the Archbishop of uh, Antigua to crown him King of Santa Maria de la Redonda, which he could do because nobody had landed on there until then. And the son grew up to be the famous Matthew Philip Scheele, who wrote The Purple Cloud, which is a post-apocalyptic book, science fiction. He's considered by some to be the father of modern science fiction and hence began the literary kingdom of Santa Maria de la Redonda. So in some senses, it was kind of taking the piss, as we say over here. When he passed his kingship on to John Gosworthy, John Gosworth was a poet and a very, very heavy drinker. And one of his literary agents, of whom he, in drunken sprees, would have many, but was John Wynne Tyson. So John Wynne Tyson inherited the kingdom that way. Unfortunately, as regards the crown of Santa Maria de de la Redonda, it was pawned for some drink. And I think some lordships and titles were also pawned for drink. 
So that's why there's a lot of controversy currently over who is the proper king of Redonda. I think it was John Wynne Tyson. I think he had the right attitude towards it. Uh, he wanted to promote the literary kingdom and it really just, it was just a humorous sort of thing to prove the ridiculousness of kingdoms in general anyway. Uh, he's an interesting character in his own right. He did come up with an ecological flag for the island because even back in the, in the late 70s and 80s, he was interested in ecology. So the flag is blue for the sky, green for vegetation, and dark brown, blackish for, uh, for the earth. It's a very dangerous island to land on because it's really pretty much a mountain peak sticking up out of the ocean between Nevis, Montserrat, which incidentally was once an Irish colony, and uh, Antigua. I mean, nobody really in their right mind would go there, although at one point they did discover phosphates on the island. Phosphates used to be a very important fueling source and for, for fertilizers as well. So for a short period of time, they had about 150 people living on the island, mining phosphates or grabbing phosphates really from all the guano. That didn't last very long because you couldn't really land there. You couldn't really farm it. You know, as I say, it's just really, it's about as tall as it is wide as it is long. So it's, it's pretty inhospitable place. Some people sort of thought it was a refuge for pirates, but in all honesty, I can't see that being the case other than hiding around behind it because really to scale that would be pretty, pretty impossible. In the 1860s, it became by might rather than right a British possession uh, because of the phosphates. Other than that, they wouldn't have really been, they wouldn't have really wanted, wanted much. It had an annual yield of about 7,000 tons of phosphates. So no, it's not really a country. It's a micronation, legally speaking. But in 1914, it became pretty much abandoned a hurricane destroyed all the remaining facilities except the little post office down at the base of the, of the mountain. I call it a mountain of the island. I got my title of Lady Susanna from John Wynne Tyson for bravery of extraordinaire and for collecting the post and for planting the, and I'm the Betsy Ross of Santa Maria de la Redonda as well for making the flag that we put up there. And I was actually on Irish TV before I ever came here because a photo was taken of me reading the, uh, the proclamation. And uh, it was on RTE in 1979 or 1980. I don't know. I wasn't here then. But <laughs> that was after a shipwreck subsequently. So I've led a rather varied life. How did you end up there again? Like what led you to Redonda? Well, my boyfriend of the time had a fascination for this sort of thing and the Irish connection. He wanted to become a knight of the realm. He wanted to go on an expedition for the king in order to get a title, which, you know, I thought was kind of funny, but a lot of Americans out there, we, we got a few meals out of it. In fact, we got a book that was also had a foreword written. It was, it's called The Dragon of Redonda. And it's a children's book. It's a rather sweet little book. And he, uh, King Juan Tyson, sent it over to me because at the time I had two little girls. And he inscribed it to the princesses. So in his mind, any of my children became automatic princesses. So as far as I'm concerned, Saoirse's a princess as well. Princess of Redonda. She's a princess anyway, but she's a princess of Santa Maria de la Redonda by birthright. Uh, most of the titles are you have to earn them. But then a title is a title. What is a name? A rose by another name and all that sort of non. It's a nonsense sort of thing, really. <laughs> you know, it's just a bit of fun. I nearly did lose my life. I got my hip got pretty battered up in trying to land on it because you couldn't actually bring uh, any kind of a boat in. There was no harbor or anything. So we put a sea anchor out and then you just jump in the water and hope that the waves don't kill you when you land on the thing. You get bashed up against the, uh, against the sort of easiest spot. 
and I did get pretty bruised up. It's a, it's a kingdom of writers. There's one, Reynolds Morse in the, I think he's from Chicago. He's really into it. You know, he wrote books on the subject and there's a lot of controversy over who the king is, but I think it should go to the one who most responsibly looked after the literary interests of John Gosworth, who was a reasonably good poet. Um, that's pretty much all I have to say about Redonda. It's kind of a pretty place, and you get a pretty good view from the top of it. Uh, it's windy, there's no trees, there's, there's nothing really to recommend it other than it's got a good view on a good day. You probably would have had a really good view of the volcano on Montserrat if you'd have been there. And it would have probably been fairly safe. But yeah, that's Santa Maria de la Redonda. And there's, there's a hotly debated uh, topic in my family, which I'm asking for you, Shiva, and for you, the listeners, to convey. I technically wasn't born yet, but am I still a princess? I think it's whatever you feel inside. I'm definitely think, a princess. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. a princess. <laughs> That's what this has all been about, isn't it? This is. I just wanted <laughs> validation for my princessness. Ness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you got it, Princess Sersha. That existed before Sealand or around the same time, but it wasn't really until Sealand that the micronations as a concept kind of exploded. You know, around the 70s or 80s, suddenly you got mm-hmm. everyone claiming the country. There's even a microcon <laughs> that I found. Um, like a convention? Yes, that's exactly what it oh, is. Oh, excellent. They're all such, I hate, most of the people are pretty weird, you know? It's just mm. people that want to be like a, like there's this one, like this little kid, he's like eight and he set up a nation in his bedroom. <laughs> well, that's sweet. That one's really cute. I can yeah. be like a little eight-year-old doing that. Can I ask though, like, I don't know if this, uh, like, basically, are, are they all white? Are they all? Are there all these white people going like claiming countries? <laughs> you know, yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that figures. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> um, not. I mean, not all the micronations, but definitely all the ones that I came across. One of my favorite ni- micronations was established in two thousand and four. At the time, Australia weren't recognizing same-sex marriages as genuine marriages. Okay. So kind of like as a protest, a group of like LGBTQ plus community members sailed to the Coral Sea Islands on a boat they called the Gay Flower and declared <laughs> the gay and lesbian kingdom of the Coral Sea Islands. I mean, like that, I kind of, I do, I get this more of just like, of it being some kind of rebellion. Yeah. Yeah. It kind um, of reminds me of um, Christiania in Denmark as well. You know, that's the a micronation. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. Oh, oh I'm definitely saying this wa- wrong. Waga Gamomana. Waga Gamomana. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't, I tell uh, you. Near New Zealand. That country or micronation is definitely going to get a full episode in the future. But really? my head, I just couldn't. I was like, I can't research micronations anymore. It's hurting my brain. <laughs> but they had Billy Gumboot the goat as president, as well as oh, Ty yes. the poodle as president. Yay. Um, that's the best. <laughs> Which is, again, another episode of I Have Planned, which is Animals in Politics. Animals in Politics? <laughs> There's so much. There's so many animals that have been mayors of places. Oh, I want to live somewhere like that. <laughs> so anyway. One, so all these micronations kind of band together, um, especially with Sealand, and follow the montevideo convention rules of what a state is from 1933 that we talked about in the sealand episode the last one being like they're able to negotiate with other countries so these micronations like team up with each other and be like well i'm negotiating (laughs) i'm negotiating with you and you're a nation but yeah inspired all sorts of nonsense but if they're negotiating with each other surely that's not recognized you know unless one of them suddenly becomes recognized then they all legitimize each other exactly and that's kind of what happened if everyone's like well if sealand Hmm. can become a country why can't i start a country and call myself prince or queen and again it's hard to tell how much of this is um real and just how much of this is a joke Micronations existed beforehand, but none with the same level of recognition or with a family quite as stubborn as Sealand. Um, So this is kind of about all Mm. the nonsense that Sealand kind of helped inspire. So I was lying in bed and I couldn't sleep. 
And then I got a notification that my account was being followed by Kingdom of Gnomes. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes. (laughs) I'd never heard of this before. And that's when I realized this had to be a two-parter episode. (laughs) You know, you could have a whole podcast where each episode was about a different micronation and not run out of I bet. I wonder if there are podcasts just about that like it seems like it'd be crazy if that hadn't been tapped at all yet you know I looked into it and there are no podcasts about Sealand at all like no podcast episodes because when I put in Sealand nothing came up maybe they don't they don't like you talking about them and they're gonna like (laughs) hound you to take it down once it goes up um they might declare war on me which is something that micronations do constantly with each other and they're kind of like (laughs) mini fights there's never any casualties they're more like joke things like oh we're at war with (laughs) maybe we should start one and then like uh start a war with sea land it's it's so easy anyway so basically by giving any uh micronation some sort of sovereignty you are agreeing with others so because sea land kind of got all this stuff and was defined as a nation by accordance to the UN 1933 agreement that also validates all these other loopholes that countless other nations took advantage of. Because of this, many micronations have founded together to help and support each other. The Principality of Sealand is perhaps one of the more successful of these micronations. Do you think they're all jealous of Sealand? They're like, oh, that's our, that's what we want to be. That's the goal. Yeah, so Kingdom of Gnome must have seen me follow the Sealand government Twitter page, <laughs> which is all I did. That's all I did. I followed yeah. them and decided to give me a follow. And I was just laughing, staring for hours and I had to explain and had to find out everything about Kingdom of Gnome. A nation, I would like to point out, as of writing this, has 14 likes on Facebook. Oh my goodness, they're small. <laughs> They are very small. So according to the Kingdom of Gnome website, it is very much a real nation. Kingdom of Gnome was officially founded on April 28th, 2011 by King Brett in his late teens, but claims the revolution started years prior in 2007 when him and his friend aged 15 liberated a gnome that was left out to work in the field. Kingdom of Gnome... (laughs) Sorry, what? (laughs) What? Uh, We're talking about garden gnomes here, yeah? (laughs) Yes. So here's the thing. Kingdom of Gnome is the only nation that views and treats gnomes as legal citizens. Oh my goodness. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm lapping this up now. Go on. Applying for citizenship is free and easy to do. And you have to register all gnomes that live in your home as a citizen as well. What the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> what is this? As of September 2020, there is apparently 116 citizens. I thought this would have more uptake, to be honest. Like, is there some weird undertone to this or like why wouldn't you like sign up your gnome to this yeah so i don't have any gnomes um but i applied mm. as a citizen and i'm still waiting on my citizenship king brett it'd be pretty funny if you get rejected <laughs> yeah i feel like i might i can't decide if i love this or hate this because anyway i applied for citizenship uh do you want to hear the the rules yes okay Every day you will do your best to be a better person than you were yesterday. Oh, beautiful. I know. <laughs> that's so nice. I know. I, that's why I signed up because I'm like, you know what? I can agree to all these terms. How is a gnome meant to do that though? <laughs> Don't, gnomes are great, Shiva. They're, they're definitely trying their best to be a better person. Or better gnome. <laughs> you will do your part in making the world a better place for everyone. Okay, yeah, lovely. Oh, maybe I'm already failing number three. I feel like I'm definitely... No, you will not bring shame to the kingdom. Uh, Am I being shame? I don't think I'm bringing shame. I don't think so. It depends what they consider shame. You will treat all beings with great respect. Sure. You will take care of all gnomes living with you. (laughs) Who did this? Who did this? We'll get into it. (laughs) You will liberate any gnome that you see in distress. (laughs) yeah fair you will refer friends family and gnomes to join the kingdom Mm, getting a bit culty eight you will actively participate in kingdom of gnome social media pages and groups (laughs) okay not many people are availing of that one (laughs) no i think i've joined a cult shiva although i they haven't accepted me yet maybe they'll declare war i don't know you will read through all pages of the kingdom's website to learn all you can about us i did that did you yeah of course (laughs) oh my god yeah so you're following the rules 
I am, I am. You acknowledge that by submitting your citizenship request, you will join the kingdom official of kingdom's official mailing list as well as the king's personal mailing list. You can unsubscribe from these at any time. Okay, so like a regular website, that's fine. If you are subscribed to any music streaming services, you will follow the king's music inquire within. <laughs> Did you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you also uh, inquire inquire within is the king's like main music kind of account. And I'm unsure how much of this kingdom is to just promote his music. I would say 90%. 99% maybe. <laughs> well, it, it seemed like such an add-on that I feel like it's just trying to just tag it. Oh, I also do this thing. This is someone who had a really quiet day and now they've ended up on someone's podcast. <laughs> did you, like, did you look at their music? I did. And um, what kind of music is it? You <sighs> feel um... <laughs> like you're struggling. <laughs> Personally, I don't think it's very good, oh. but it's not awful. It's not really my style of music. Yeah, what style it's, is it? Like, um, it's kind of like metal, like metal music, but kind of acoustic with very eco-aggressive lyrics that I feel are a bit heavy-handed at times. <laughs> uh, one music video showing awful like news footage of what's happening around the world, and I guess you know, fair play, the world's pretty messed up and mm. a lot of the lyrics it's very it's not like negative it's pretty positive you know it's like gotta get together um and he's taking a proactive approach that's kind of fun yeah, both kingdom so. of gnome and his music they promote a lot of good charity work and it's all about you know stopping deforestation he partnered with an organization trees for the future through his music you know if you buy an album or stuff it goes to like a charity for helping um you know plant fruit trees in africa and stuff like that oh which is pretty good so i'm kind of like it it's a good cause i guess um this is the perfect marketing campaign i know it drew you in and then like it kind of it is he did his job it got my attention and i want to become a lady of kingdom of gnome yeah it kind of disappointingly like is his music is kind of unrelated to the whole gnome stuff i would have liked to see that thread woven throughout it um Mm. yeah uh, I'm going to quote what it says on the website. Uh, in 2013, Brett found international fame with his music slash UFO disclosure project, Inquire <laughs> Within. His songs are about finding inner peace as well as raising awareness of go- government corruption, the UFO government, awakening people to their true power and how to further evolve humanity <laughs> through peaceful extraterrestrial contact. This contact is through the protocols of close encounters of the fifth kind, human-initiated contact. So I'm unsure how much of this is a joke or not. I'm worried. Yeah. <laughs> I feel stressed now. <laughs> I, if you end up talking to them, I feel like you should block them. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of... Like if they yeah. talk to you. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I'm in now. I want to see how deep this goes. Yeah. You know, I'm, you know, don't really believe in uh, UFOs and, and all that. But, you know, I am happy to, I do believe, you know, that gnomes are genuine citizens and I'm happy to treat them as such. And, you know, donating, like, you know, uh, trees are good. Um, that's mm. what I mean. I, I'm really, like, on on the fence. Um, yeah, you see, it's just, I think they they don't seem um, on the straight and narrow, narrow to me because they. I feel like they need to pick a lane. So they've got all like the gnome caring going on. And then fruit trees in Africa. I'm like, how are you going to um, do that? How How is this going to work logistically? And mm-hmm. then also um, the UFOs, the corruption, the government, like it just, they're kind of com- coming from all angles and then kind of rock ac- acoustic music or metal acoustic music. <laughs> I don't know. Um is there a geographical location for this kingdom? Or oh, we're getting there. We oh, are getting there. <laughs> before before I get there, um, I just want to say that citizenship is free, which is good because, as I we said with Sealand, you know, you have to pay like money mm, to become. Yes, but maybe things should have a value as well. But here's the thing: if I have five friends, gnomes included, that apply for citizenship, I earn earn the title of lord or lady. 20 friends, gnomes included. So I could just buy 20 gnomes and register mm, them. Yes, you could. Um, I would get the title of warrior. And if 100 friends, gnomes included again, I will get the title of savior. So I am still waiting on my citizenship, but I'm feeling confident. So <laughs> Shiva and listeners out there, 
do apply to become a citizen of Kingdom of Gnome and register all your gnomes. And when you're applying, mention my name on the form because I would love to get at least a lord or lady. But if I could get savior, mm. that would also be great. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so if I said like, oh, I'm going to register this gnome, like what proof do I need that I have a gnome? You need to send an email a photo. What, what if I just got one from Google? Like, is, what are they going to do about it, huh? What are they going to do? You know, if King Brett listens to this podcast and hears how disrespectful you're being about gnomes, um, well, you he... would not get citizenship anyway. There is a flaw in his system, you know. I how would you fix it then? How would you, what would you do? I wouldn't do something so bloody stupid. <laughs> gnomes can't be citizens of anywhere because they're not technically, like they're not, they they're can not in Kingdom of Gnome. They're not they living creatures. They can in Kingdom of Gnome, Sheila. <laughs> they can in Kingdom of Gnome. No, but like they don't have a birth cert. They don't have a... I don't know how much number? of this is a joke or not. And it kind of scares me. <laughs> yeah. Have I joined a cult? Yeah, I, I'd watch I don't out. Know. I'd watch out. How much information did you give there? I was going to title this episode Kingdom of Gnome, but I'm not going to because I'm kind of scared to. <laughs> Because then he'll definitely listen to I mean, it. Yeah, if and I might get not get my citizenship, mm. and then th- they might declare war on me. That wouldn't be great. Which brings me to my next segment: gnome wars. Oh. <laughs> of course, why didn't I see this coming? <laughs> so on July twenty fourth, two thousand thirteen, King Brett and his mates climbed Mount Pilch- Pilchup with a bunch of gnomes and left them there and declared it Gnome Freedom Day. <laughs> They came back a month later because this is a, you know, it's near Seattle. It's like a relatively well-known like hiking area. Um, So they came back a month later. Most of the domes were missing or smashed. What? That's horrible. That's pretty horrible. To the king's horror, someone had carved over his gnome freedom message and changed it to gnome oppression down with the gnome. What's going on? (laughs) It was at this moment... That the king knew something more must be done to unite gnomes and humanity. Our king left another note in the watchtower on that day. Return the gnomes. This means war. I don't know what's real anymore. I, this is too too much. What is going on in this world? Is this real? <laughs> it is real. It's what? It's, they actually say that if you go on their Twitter page, it, one of the things it says, you know, your Twitter bio, Twitter yeah. bio it says, this is real. This is real. Oh my god. That's said a lot on the website. Like, this is a genuine nation, become a citizen. I'm really upset at the prospect of someone smashing a bunch of gnomes. Like, I think you can do that in The Sims, can't you? You can smash a gnome. You can. You so, can. It's obviously, Very it's a amazing. done thing. Uh, seems wrong, though. Like, they're such little happy fellows. But it's also, I mean, it could have been animal. Like, you're just leaving. I mean, they're just left alone at the top of a mountain. Yeah, that, that seems on really sad. On a regular well. hiking trail. That sounds really sad. Well, it's giving them their freedom. That sounds like trapping them up in a mountain. <laughs> sounds like the opposite of freedom. I don't yeah. know. I, I, I'm just thinking of like like a soul trapped inside of this inanimate object forever with this painted smile on its face. I'm getting real disturbed. <laughs> uh. Maybe it's good they smashed like so that the souls could be free. Yeah, Maybe. Maybe that's what it meant. After years of preparation and enemy research, King Brett officially declared war against the New World Order, Illuminati, Archons, and negative extraterrestrial slash interdimensional beings in the summer of 2013. So this is going on for a while now. Like, yeah, so what did you, did you say? Since 2011. Oh, to, oh, 2011. I don't know what I was thinking of. Uh, 2011, nine years. They're coming up to 10 years. That's... That's quite a commitment. It seems like only recently there's been like a push though to try to make it serious. Hmm. What were you doing in 2011? Let's contextualize Nine years ago. um, Yeah. How? I need to do basic (laughs) arithmetic. I was a really depressed teenager nine years ago. Oh, same. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Not not starting countries. (laughs) Yeah, and I think about it like I, I, I... Put up like this mural on my wall when I was I was sixteen in two thousand and eleven, um, like because of of a boy. <laughs> so I'm like 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 a 
like a celebrity or just a boy just from like no, your class? A boy I knew. <laughs> Where did you get the like, photo? Well, no, no, it wasn't. A, no, it wasn't a photo of him. Oh my god. <laughs> no. So I just like I there was like a big inspirational quote that I found online, and I wrote out each letter and I cut out each letter and then I put it all onto my wall with uh, blue tack. It took me like two weeks to do. It's still on my wall. I read it before I moved out there a few weeks ago. <laughs> but um, that like that was the kind of what I was at. Oh my god, being a teenager, uh, was class, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. I was just like either like boy obsessed or like heartbroken. That was my two teenage sides. Yeah, yeah, no, me too. Um, but like they both kind of uh, fed each other, um, yeah, which was fun. Um, I feel I haven't changed too much. I, I hope I have, but every now and again, I'm like, God damn it, teenage Saoirse, you're still there. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm still processing it all. It's great. <laughs> you weren't free. You you weren't freeing gnomes from your friends. No, I wasn't doing that. I like I had no kind of um, ambitions to create a country of any kind. Uh, I was very much uh, in the world of my brain and emotions so I had no higher expectations of myself you were asking uh, where is the kingdom of known base which took me yeah. a while to figure out on the website it needs to be more clear <laughs> I'm surprised that there is a location so are you ready to get into some more nonsense Shiva um, I don't know <laughs> yes I am yeah. uh, no I am, I am I am so as I'm writing this in early November 2020 uh, kingdom of known okay. claims to have nine territories nine yeah Bloody hell. <laughs> These include one surface mile on the moon. Stop. <laughs> three islands in Antarctica. Okay. Okay. An area of Mount Pilchuck uh, near Seattle, Washington State. Okay, that one makes sense, right? Yeah. And <laughs> the royal family's farmland, the royal family's river, and their house, which they included as three separate territories, I guess. Where's that meant to be? Oh, that's in Washington State. Okay. Okay. God damn America, you weirdo. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, a lot of yeah. That's a, it's a very American thing, and there's a lot. Of, it is most of the totally. nonsense micronations, you know, that aren't like from a point or kind of a bit funny. They're all from America, all of them. <laughs> Shocking. I know. Like there was this one. I can't remember the name of the kingdom, but it was like these two women dressed in weird bright blue outfits, and their country is a rock, just a singular rock. I'm like, yeah, that's our country. I like it. I think it's sweet. Uh, it's nice that people are like claiming these things. Yeah. Also, an- and another one is an area given by Mayor Macando in South America. So basically, if you own land and you're willing to give it up to the Kingdom of Nome, you'll automatically become a mayor. So that's also a thing. And only one guy has done that. Oh, the poor guy. <laughs> Why did he do it? <laughs> to be mayor. Of Kingdom of Gnome. To be mayor of... of, No. (laughs) Does he have loads of gnomes, I wonder? Like, I could see this being a really good, like, themed Instagram page where he's, like, the mayor of the Kingdom of Gnome and he has hundreds of thousands of gnomes and they're just, like, in different parts of his house. Yeah, King Brett does have lots of gnomes and there is lots of gnome photos on various social media channels. So that's also a thing. Don't worry, there's lots of... yeah. Lots of gnomes. Um, oh, it's so, it's it's all, it's all ridiculous. You know what? Everyone has their thing. This is th- these people's thing. Mm. And as long as they're not hurting anyone, and it doesn't sound like they are because their constitution or their rules sound very nice and very positive. Uh, except for like the last, well, no, the last few aren't even that bad, are they? They're just like slightly cultish. Yeah. So again, going back to the Montevideo Convention set by the UN in 1933, to define its sovereignty as a country, you must have a permanent population, defined territory, a government, and the competence and ability to go into relations with other states. So all these nonsense micronations follow that, including Kingdom of Gnome, um, again, having (laughs) a lawyer look at it. Um, So permanent population, you know, himself and his family and all his gnomes, a defined territory, his house and this area on the moon a government yes himself as king and the competence and ability to go into relation with other states various other micro nations mm. <laughs> what like what i wonder is what do they class as like 
having a competence in it like what do you have to have achieved in order to do that he contacted nasa and the un but they have yet to reply well it sounds like he's bothering them yeah yeah <laughs> see well, it's so, like they've got other things to do so this is another important thing that a lot of these micronations do they you know stay claims to all these things and they do all these things and then it never gets challenged because you know the un and nasa have more important shit to be dealing with of course yeah so then they're like oh, well, they never said no, so this is a country. It's been years. <laughs> it's like... I mean, yeah, whatever makes you happy. <laughs> like, yeah, that's fine. Many micronations use space and the Antarctica as their land claim or tiny islands that technically no one has claimed. Uh, me- so how can they claim like the moon? We're getting into it. <laughs> <laughs> We're getting into some nonsense now. <laughs> okay, perfect. I mean, this podcast is called Absurd Real History. Uh, we're going to talk about how some guy owns the moon. Ah, uh, like, don't know if the real is part of it anymore. No, no. Well, I mean, it's real in that this has happened and this is something yes. that people claim. It exists. Yes, yes, yes. In regards to um, Antarctica, you know, well, in general, when trying to start a micronation, which I'm going to point out, there's a WikiHow article on how to start a country. <laughs> This is how big this is, like, and how many micro, like, I am sure there are at least a thousand micronations out there right now. I wonder, like, did they build that article based on reading all of the articles on the micronations that they have on their website? Is that how they learned? There's also a micro wiki, like a, like a micronation Wikipedia, like, website. <laughs> which kingdom of gnome is not on so king brett you'd want to get on that if i were you i would make I'd yeah get on i mean that. it sounds like this nation it's nine years old but it's not doing great <laughs> essentially there's an antarctic treaty meaning other countries can't lay claims to land on, anywhere on the antarctic but it says yes. nothing about individuals claiming land to start a new nation so that's what happened <laughs> and because <laughs> No one, no government really contests this and they're, because they're not bothered, it makes yeah. it kind of technical in a way. So that's kind of how these micronations justify themselves. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I guess if, um, if there were enough people and enough things, like if they were drawing enough attention to themselves, perhaps then they would start to get challenged. But because they're kind of under the radar a bit and not causing too much trouble, it's just like, yeah, let them have it. It's fine. We just won't legitimize it and we won't take it away. We'll just let it happen. Yeah, because they're they're still not acknowledging it as a real country. Like, yeah. as much as these micronations push, it's, I'm sorry, lads, it's not going to happen. To anyone listening <laughs> who has a micronation or is thinking of starting one, do start one, you know, for the, for the lulls, but don't expect to be able to join the Eurovision Song Contest. What which- if we're wrong, though? What if like they end up getting huge and like establishing as these like massive legitimate world leaders and we're wrong and we suddenly are banned from these new countries? Like we don't know we whatever we've learned this year is that whatever we know could be turned like upside down. I was about to say so, I was about to say, given this year, I you know wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anything could happen. <laughs> So we're all um, on our high horses right now, but who knows? So in regards to space. In regards to space, go on. You can go to lunarembassy.com and buy space real estate. Ah. How legitimate it is, is up to debate. Mm. There's a lot of copycat agencies, but apparently this is the kind the only kind of legit one but even still you can't really own space <laughs> yeah i mean who are these people selling it anyway like is it just people who set up a website i'll tell you exactly who's selling it dennis hope dennis hope oh that's yeah <laughs> all right dennis <laughs> he discovered a loophole in the 1967 space treaty and filed a claim of ownership for all planets in our solar system and their moons This would have been in the 80s. There are so many opportunists that we've learned about today. He quoted, I saw the moon and thought, there's a lot of property. (laughs) Who thinks that? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of property, but like no one can go there. Like not many people. I mean, it's such like entrepreneur 
business bullshit like you're out like in the 80s you're out you're looking into space looking at space and stars what kind of person are you that you think oh man that's a lot of land yeah true (laughs) whose brain says that oh I don't know Dennis Dennis be better (laughs) yeah according to the loophole and various agreements it meant that similar to Antarctic and the Antarctica um no current large body countries could lay claim on the moon, but it's again like it said nothing about individuals or um or whatnot. So he laid claim to it and you know notified everyone that he needed to notify. And after several years, when no one contested his claim, he just kind of took the moon. <laughs> I mean, if no one's going to contest it, that's fine. I just love like the the gumption of these people. <laughs> I'm just going to do it if like. I'm so self-conscious about what people think of, like, the things I do. Uh, like, and I do normal things, I think. So. You don't start countries? I don't start countries. I don't claim the moon. Like, it's all pretty um, vanilla. So, like... You know, it's it's gumption, you know? Gumption. Here, actually, uh, if... So you're going on another date and... Um, it's this guy he he brings you to your, his house and um it's just full of gnomes just full of gnomes hundreds of thousands of gnomes are you staying there <laughs> i mean it's not boring that's one thing i find uh swiping through uh tinder during these dark lockdown times i'm just like everyone's so boring mm-hmm. <laughs> where's mike you know that's that's a quirk that's interesting it is but there's a yeah it reminds me of a, a fun fact about uh jason siegel oh Seagal. he's a big puppet fan oh and he's kind of the main reason that we got the new muppet movie in 2011 after there not being anything for a while yeah but apparently his house is just filled with puppets that's really upsetting <laughs> i think it, i don't know again it's a quirk yeah it's the kind of thing that i wouldn't be like i wouldn't see it as like a huge red red flag immediately I'd be like oh that's cool um but I would be like if you really thought about it and if things started to go wrong you'd be like oh but there was the puppet thing remember <laughs> so it would like it would retroactively become a red flag I know again it's a quirk it's a quirk yeah <laughs> you know what's what's the life of being single if not to go find men whose houses are filled with garden gnomes and puppets yeah no I mean I'm all there with you it's a story <laughs> yeah. It's just um, potentially terrifying. <laughs> so, do you know what's currently up for sale in its entirety? What, the moon? In its entirety. <laughs> no, what is it? Pluto. Uh, what? <laughs> Pluto is the only one that he's selling in its entirety. Yeah, I guess it's so small. They're like... Yeah, yeah. and it's, you know, it's pricey enough, you know? Is it? How much is it? Uh, still expensive, but it's a lot cheaper than Pluto should be. Okay, we- a tenner. So it's <laughs> 15. 11 euro 50 and a bag of chips. Yeah. Wow. Oh, $250,000, which God. is, it's it's less than half the price of a house in Dublin. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's lots of room for development there. But um, who has the money to to pay for nothing? Because <laughs> when okay. I think about it, though, like who who gets this money? Who owns this website? Dennis Hope. Oh yeah, <laughs> but like he has no, he can't hand you over the deed or anything. Oh, he does. You you get a deed and you get the coordinates and you get all this fancy stuff. Oh, Dennis, you're a big messer. Here's a question for you, Shiva. So you're on a date with a guy. Okay. You go back. You're having a nightcap in his kitchen, and you just see on the wall the deed to Pluto. Okay, I'm impressed. <laughs> I'd want to marry him. You know, I'd be like. Put a ring on this finger, please. Let's move to Pluto. Yeah, um, it's such a flex. Yeah, no, uh, I mean, incredible. Yeah, I take it all back. That's a winning thing, boys, by Pluto. <laughs> so again, I'm rounding up because it does the 0.99 uh, cents. Uh, but $25 currently can buy you one acre on various moons, Mars, Venus, and Mercury as well. Hmm. So you can be buy between one and 20 acres. So what this King Brett, I assume, did is buy one acre on the moon from this guy. And it gives you the coordinates of exactly, like, he has it mapped out what area of the moon you're buying. And, you know, use that as, you know, a new area to start. I forgot why we were talking about it. (laughs) 
but loads of other micronations do this. If you look at like the, at least the newer ones from after Sealand, the ones that Sealand inspired, loads of them are like, yeah, are we own property on the moon or in space? Mm. See, that's the thing. Like, I wonder, is it not, they should really put this into like the charter that uh, like a country has to be on earth. Like it's, it's maybe something else if it's in a different part of the planet. See, again, it's just people looking at weird loopholes that is just not real, but mm. convince themselves like, no, we're going to fight Yeah, like this. you shouldn't have to so, say yeah. that, but um, apparently you have to. Yeah, so there's various prices. Uh, $500 buys you 20 acres. <laughs> oh, lots of room. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, imagine if you were like, you'd just gotten like your, your job and you just got married to your sweetheart. and Yeah, uh, so it's kind of like, Oh, it's not that ridiculous because, you know, Ronald Reagan owns something on the moon. Yeah. I guess, and yeah. <laughs> you come home and it's like, honey, I bought 20 acres and um, it turns out it's on the moon. <laughs> you just, you're a right fool. Like loads of like American presidents and presidents in general and loads of uh, celebrities own property in space because of this. <sighs> People have too much money. <laughs> yeah. But it's also hard to know, like how much people bought or how much Dennis Hope gave property in space to kind of legitimize it more. Mm, to get the ball rolling. It's worth noting that there's um, a six-part BBC miniseries from 2005 uh, with comedian Danny Wallace, all about him trying to start his own country, which again, he decided to do after learning about the Principality of Sealand. Hmm. He ended up calling his country lovely. Um, but he, in the first episode, he goes and he talks to Dennis Hope and he, he basically, Dennis Hope refuses to kind of say like celebrities or presents that have it. He's like, it's confidential, but they're big names. They're big names. <laughs> and he's like, well, do you like give them out? And he's like, oh, you have to give out some, some stuff, you know, to. Yeah. Boost Did you up. watch this? Um, Did you watch like this part with um, Dennis Hope? Yes. What kind of vibe did you get from him? I got like just similar vibe to all these kind of micronation guys it's just like you feel like they know what they're doing is ridiculous but they're not going to admit it you didn't get like a joe exotic kind of vibe or anything or no um, i just got a lad you know (laughs) just kind of basic i just saw it as like a businessman oh just Mm -hmm. have you been having dreams about little micronations now like because obviously so much of your brain has been used on all this research like there's no way this hasn't seeped into your subconscious oh, it's such a head wreck i i need a like as i was saying there's so much more i could write about micronations and i will come back to it at some stage but now i'm just kind of like i need a break but if anyone <laughs> out there is looking to start their own country there is loads of useful resources online for how to do it i've just kind of told you how you know spend which i want to say like 25 dollars that's 20 euro Spend tw- 20 quid to get an acre on Mars or the moon. Establish all this stuff. Get in contact with other micronations. Maybe go to MicroCon 2021. Yeah, it sounds like um, like a weird kind of governmental role play. <laughs> the thing with Sealand is like, they kind of just found this loophole and they kind of still dress and act kind of like normal people from England. But a lot of the, but it inspired a lot of these people who, you know, dress and they have like they wear like medals and stuff and like really went the whole egotistical route I guess or fancy crazy outfits so there's two kind of micronations I find you know yeah yeah I'm gonna close off this um this episode by reading out step 15 of how to start your own country from the WikiHow article okay step 15 get out there and do it The world isn't getting any bigger and governments aren't getting any smaller. So the sooner you can get out there and state your claim, the sooner you can declare yourself king, prince, emperor, shika, ayatoya, supreme ruler and president for life of, insert your imperial dynasty here. Wow, so WikiHow are really for people doing this. (laughs) Yeah, I told you I was going to take you on a journey of nonsense. (laughs) I'm exhausted. (laughs) It's broken my brain. Wow, yeah, no, I'm... I'm I'm interested to learn more. I'm gonna I'm definitely gonna look up some videos about Sealand, and I'm kind of afraid to look up the Kingdom of Gnomes. I'm it seems <laughs> it seems uh, a little a little bit strange to me. This podcast is absurd real history. Um, I am on the stance that these aren't 
real countries that I'm sure someone's going to declare war on me. I, I can feel it. I know some nation out there is going to declare war on me. Probably. I mean, maybe you're declaring war on them by just saying that they don't exist. So, But what is real is these are genuine people who have put in effort and who were inspired by Sealand but there's also other ones that maybe weren't inspired by Sealand I mean what do you think listeners please get in touch with me if you want me to do another episode of a country similar to Sealand or country you can't see me but I'm doing quotation marks (laughs) yeah you can see why I kind of felt like there needed to be another episode just kind of (laughs) explaining the nonsense a bit yeah I feel like um the Sealand is more of a like historical one and then this one was like taking what we learned about Sealand and then putting it into the modern context yes so I'm not sure how it ties in really with you know what my podcast is meant to be but it's also my podcast so I can do whatever I want and talk about yeah talk about what I want (laughs) I think it's interesting history even if it's recent and still happening um, if anyone does want to start a country, do let me know how you get on. <laughs> Shiva, do you want to uh, plug your things? And... Yeah, just my Instagram. Uh, Shiva McQuinn. S-I-O-M-H-A-M-C-Q-I-N-N. Excellent. And as usual, I've been Saoirse Shanae. You can find me at Saoirse Ball on Twitter or absurdrealhistory at gmail.com um, or uh, Scream for Ireland, which this podcast is produced through on all the social media channels. Do get in touch if you uh, think that this is that these are genuine countries. If I've offended anyone, I'm really sorry. I've just done my best to, you know, do my knowledge, do my research, and uh, just put it out into the world. Um, so, <laughs> Shiva, what would your country be called if you could start a country? Um, oh, Firefest 2020. <laughs> That's been done. Not 2020. (laughs) Woo! And that's our podcast. That's my podcast. (laughs) Woo!